of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org. And it is good to be back with all of you on this Monday evening. Tonight, I am joined by my very good friend. You know him as the co-host on Radio Contra, Sons of Liberty Live, and a frequent contributor, staff writer over on AmericanPartisan.org, Mr. Madman Actual. What's up, brother? Good evening, Scout. Good evening, everybody. Glad to be here. It's been a while since we've had a a one on one. Usually, I got to compete with uh, Johnny Paratrooper on Sons of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, man, he's he's cracking open them big trucks. Except he hasn't been doing that lately because he's he's going all low carb, trying to look good, trying to. He is looking good. Yeah, he is, he's he's slimming down. Well, he is certainly, Johnny is certainly not a person I would ever put into the category of obese. He, no. He, he's, he is, he, he is a tall, lanky guy, but he has that, he's not lanky like skinny. He's lanky like he's got an, a long reach when he's throwing a punch. You know, like yep. he, he's like he he has that that body type that he could throw on a lot of muscle mass if he wants to. And, you know, when when drinking and muscle mass don't really always go together. So, you know, no, they do not. Training. As I'm sipping my, my very fine rum right here tonight. Ooh, so man, it is, man. I got to grab a drink. You do, man. You do. It, it's uh, sipping a little bit of a Pilar. It's um, Hemingway Rum Company. They're out of Key West, named after Ernest Hemingway, of course. Um, it's good stuff, man. Very, very good. Very good. Um, I'll have to check that out. Little, little bit sweet, you know. If, if if you're not into the sweeter rums, this might not really be for you. But but it is. It's good, man. It's really, really good. A little bit too I can good. Tolerate most drinks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm not very picky. Yeah, I'm not, and, and see, I keep my I keep my liquors kind of pared down to. Uh, I like Scotch, bourbon, obviously Irish whiskey, and rum, 
and and that's pretty much it. Like I'm not really any any other kind of liquor. It's like eh, not really not really into it. Um, I don't know, man. It's yeah, people, I'm not a big vodka or tequila guy. Nah, nah. I'm I've, a corn liquor dude. Yeah. I, I, well, I've had a couple of tequilas that were very high end, and they were great. Uh, when tequila is is good, it's great. But it, you know, it, it is it's it, that can be an expensive drink, man. It's it's like bourbon. You definitely get what you pay for out of oh, hundred percent. You know, like if if you're drinking the the, the cheap stuff, you know, it, it's just like it is with bourbon and you know, scotch and, and rum and everything else. Like you you're not getting a good drink. But uh, you you're willing to shell out a little bit of money for quality stuff, man. Tequila tequila can be okay. It's just not what it's not what I go for. Now, a uh, close friend of my wife's, she brought over uh, this eight hundred dollar tequila one night recently, and I, I'm telling you that was now this this was eight hundred dollars a fifth. So I ain't gonna be buying it anytime soon. But that's a hell of a price tag, yeah. <laughs> Well, this girl's a little on the bougie side from time to time, so you know it, it's. But it was good. Uh, it, it was it was very very good. Yeah, I mean, it didn't beat out like Oban Scotch or um, uh, Brukladic or or some of the other like the higher end scotches. Not like the ultra high end Scotch, but like some of the pinnacle uh, Scotches that that or marquees of, of their region. Like it, I don't feel like it, it beat them out, you know, and, and, you know, they're not super expensive, you know, in the big scheme of things. I mean, Oban, Oban, I think is like $80 a fifth, which is, you know, still not cheap, but it ain't bad. You know, it, it ain't bad. It's it's it, something it, that the average guy could keep in his liquor cabinet. Yeah. I mean, that Balvini, you know, another Balvini is constantly in the rotation. Um, you know, not they're not super expensive. I mean, you know, and, and the rums that I drink normally are like in the $40, $50 range. So, like this Pilar, this Pilar I think was $41. So, it's not bad. You know, it, it's you, you're not – you can spend a little bit more and drink quality stuff, you know, and, and not be – right. Uh, <laughs> Not you're not necessarily dabbing on the pores, but at the same time, you know you're you're, you're drinking something good. But um, oh man, this is, this is this is quickly turning into a live show. I know, uh, right? <laughs> we do this every time. We do it every time. We do it every time. But let's get some work done. Let's get some work done. Let's get down to it. So, you know, you coming in here, you, you've got. You know your your rather uh, interesting background, if I say so myself, in signals intelligence from the Army, but also working for the NSA. Um, so you you've kind of seen the all of the the signals intelligence in motion, how it all works in motion, and you know our primary uh, tool on the battlefield or our primary means of exploitation, rather is cell phones and gathering up cell phone data and exploiting all that data. 
And, you know, that's something that, you know, you, you and I have talked about in the past. We've, we've had podcasts where we've talked about that in the past, uh, how we exploit that overseas. I've done, of course, lessons from the farm and, and uh, you know, everything else. Uh, talking about it, posts up on AmericanPartisan.org. You always get those people that kind of give you that sideways look like, what do you mean I can't use Facebook Messenger to organize my community defense group or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those deals. There's a big disconnect, but I feel like there's been a really big disconnect with cell phone data and this, like, um, for lack of a better term, this disbelief that, you know, we have all this technology that we know how to weaponize against others. But for whatever reason, even in the government, we feel like it can't be weaponized against us. And now all of a sudden, so we got this story that is breaking and from all places, CNN, which I think is very ironic uh, for a lot of reasons. But all of a sudden, man, the FBI and MI6, MI5, which uh, MI6, of course, is uh, the British counterpart to the CIA. MI5 is the British counterpart to the FBI. Right. They all of a sudden have this big uh, awakening which I think the, the timing of it is very interesting, uh, quote unquote, that uh, Chinese made Huawei equipment, which is prevalent here in the United States, could disrupt U.S. nuclear arsenal communications. And so this um, article is coming out, of course, CNN, as I mentioned, and it, it's kind of written like in like an alarmist kind of deal. But for anybody that's been paying attention to the tech sector and knows, you know, anything about intelligence tradecraft and the collection of intelligence, you know, your specialty being signals intelligence and, and working with cell phones specifically and, and cellular data networks, this is really no surprise, you know, and um, they're going all the way back to 2017 here saying the Chinese government was offering to spend $100 million to build an ornate Chinese garden at the National Arboretum in Washington, D.C. And, of course, the Chinese are not going to do anything that doesn't have strings attached, right? And so now they're finding all these red flags. And, of course, you know, that was five years ago. Here we are. We're so much further down the pipe. We're in a very bad position. I think it's kind of ironic. They pointed out that this was in 2017. It would have been during the Trump presidency, right? So they're trying to lay it, – it's implicit that CNN's trying to lay the blame of all this on Trump when Trump literally ran on mitigating the Chinese threat specifically, specifically trying to do that. But that aside, um, you know, right here, it's – they're really framing the case that Chinese uh, interests have made land purchases near critical infrastructure. They've put up their Huawei uh, cellular data collection equipment, and they are literally collecting all this up, sending it back to China for analysis because there was nothing that happens with regard to the Chinese Communist Party that they don't have specific control over. Um, so... This article goes on and it's citing specific concerns about their equipment being used specifically near U.S. military installations and even surprisingly citing that this has been well known because it has. 
I know I've documented it. Uh, I've written articles about this on, on American Partisan and a heck of a lot more. So speculate from your experience, if you will, what is it exactly that they're collecting? What is it about this data in particular that can be weaponized and exploited for the Chinese interests? Well, so the way that I like to explain it is when you think about all of the things that emit radio frequencies, it's a lot, especially nowadays. Um, But think about how many cell towers there are, how many repeater towers there are, and a lot of those repeater towers that ham radio guys use. There's also, uh, I don't, I'm just spitballing, probably like 20 other technologies on there on that same uh, physical structure. Yeah. So when, you know, when we, when someone puts a cell phone tower up, um, you might see the panels on there, but that's not to say that there aren't other antennas that you can't really see from the ground. You know, they're pretty narrow. They hide them a little bit. And we did this overseas. Um, we, we set up cell networks, uh, pretty much all over Africa and most of the Middle East, our U.S.-made cell phone infrastructure. And we did this with the explicit purpose of exploiting it to catch bad guys when we knew that we were going to go in there eventually. Eventually, we were going to have to do something in this country to get bad guys was the whole name of the game. And this was happening back in the 80s and the 90s, According now, this is secondhand information and it's word of mouth from uh, one of the guys I know. Even the like mid to late 70s, they were setting up comms infrastructure in Somalia, um, Afghanistan, all over the place. So, what they do is they'll put up a cell phone tower. And, like I said, they put on random antennas and collection equipment. And what they're doing is, since the physical location of these is getting so close to military infrastructure or military bases in the U.S., all they're doing is uh, like like a big vacuum. They're sucking up every single radio frequency that comes by it. Uh, they're collecting it, which means <clears throat> they get, uh, depending on what technology it's coming from, they'll get anything from a date timestamp. Uh, that's usually with digital communications, like um, cell phones, um, digital mobile radio, the DMR that has date timestamps on it. Uh, push to talk. Some of them have date timestamp. Depends on what radio you have. Um, there's a bunch of them, but the main thing is that they're just sucking everything up that comes through there, disguised as one of their Huawei cell phone towers. And another thing that worries me about that is. Like I said, we set up cell networks in target countries that we knew in the next 10 to 15 years we were going to be going into uh, military operations of some kind. Maybe not military occupations, but we were definitely going to be sending troops on the ground for combat operations. Seems like China's doing the same thing. They're, They're prepping the battlefield with their signals intelligence capabilities, which they very, they do very well. They learned it from us over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. And 
that's all they're doing is they're they're propping up these cell phone towers next to our installations that they know house some sort of communications for the nuclear testing or the nuclear system or uh, they're probably doing it for everything but it seems according to that article that they're the FBI thinks that they're focused on our nuclear arsenal which obviously you know it does make sense um I'm not going to deny that, but that is not the full scope. I can guarantee it. They're they're getting everything, and like you said, they're sending it back to China, and or well, it's not really they're sending it. It's co- probably constantly just streaming into a database that they're that they can uh, access. And knowing China, they probably have some of their servers here that they're actually probably remoting into from one of their little secret cells, and then sending the reports back to China. Um, to the motherland. And that's pretty much the synopsis of what seems to be going on. It's really dangerous. And it, if if the U.S. government doesn't shut Huawei down right now, then uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd be speechless. You know, that, that, that would be... Yeah beyond dumb if we didn't yeah. do anything about it i was uh when when I, I i was letting you run with that because i was pulling up that trump m- made major movements to shut down huawei and of course there's a number of articles here that i pulled up immediately uh trump shuts down huawei contracts right who signed these contracts with huawei all right, mm. so Trump administration has uh, – this is coming from com and uh, National Sovereignty under the National Sovereignty tab. But the Trump administration has prohibited federal agencies from doing business with Huawei, which Trump recognizes to be a national security threat to the United States. And here you have CNN trying to lay blame. They're framing up a narrative that Trump was somehow cozy with China. Like th- this is engineered to low information voters here. Right. And a hundred percent. Right. And, and, and people that have foregone conclusions, Oh, I don't like Trump. And so therefore uh, whatever I read on CNN is, is obviously uh, good and fits my narrative. Right. Correct. Um, you know, August 17th, 2020. So coming up on almost exactly Two years ago, Trump administration cracks down further on Huawei chip production and um, as well as Chinese groups operating here in the United States. It was coming from the hill.com. Uh, you know, it, and, and it goes on and on and on, right? On and on here. And, you know, the point is, is that this has been known to be a national security threat now for some time. And the FBI, I think that it's very interesting that the FBI, now that they've, uh, they've rounded up all the J six protesters, uh, their, their giant dragnet, they've, they've rounded up the dreaded insurrectionists. They haven't done anything about Antifa, by the way, it, you know, all, all the Chaz protesters and the, uh, the, the Portland courthouse, uh, all, all of that literal insurrection 
Uh, they're still out there running free. But, of course, the, the J6 protesters, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, the mothers, the school teachers, the people who did not show up, not with a single firearm, by the way, they showed up to protest without a single firearm. They're going to lock them away. So now that the, the FBI is done rounding all of them up, they got to the bottom of that, uh, as well as the, the Russian dossier and, and a number of their other misgivings over the years, uh, their follies, their Keystone cop shenanigans. Uh, now they have finally figured out that Huawei is a threat. Uh, they have figured all of this out. They've got down to the bottom of it. Uh, so I'm sure J. Edgar Hoover is quite proud of his organization. Uh, but anyway, with that said, you know, we know that this is a threat and exactly what you pointed out. Um, I think that, that something that you pointed out that was very profound is that in this article, they're going for the dramatic, right? They're saying, you know, nuclear, uh, of course, nuclear instantly scares everybody because we think that, you know, a nuclear strike is going to be the end all be all. Of course, we just had those nuclear um, uh, public service announcements that were being broadcast in New York City, uh, which I thought were hilarious. But that, you know, I kind of have a, that weird sense of humor because, uh, you know, it was all green screened in. It looked like something from Sesame Street. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. if Did you watch that? You know, you, I don't I don't think I even thing? gave it the time of day. Oh, man, you should have. You should go back and watch it. It, it, it is, I think the thing is like a minute long, maybe, and it's hilarious. Like, it, it's the most unintentionally hilarious thing that you're going to watch in a while. I promise. Um, <laughs> I mean, I it, 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 it's, it's got, you know, it, it, it has a lady who's green screened in. A very bad, like, they could have done a better job on this, too. You, you could tell that, like, some intern did this in an afternoon they were like hey you know we gotta make a psa so real quick get this girl to, to look like she's walking down the street and you know like they, they didn't even get real footage from anywhere in new york they just got like oh <laughs> it, it's it's like a computer animated version of like what any of the boroughs in new york would sort of look like maybe uh but not really because it doesn't I mean, I've, I've been to New York. I've been in, in uh, a few of the, the residential areas inside of New York City in the boroughs, and it doesn't look anything like anywhere I've been. Uh, but, you know, I mean, whatever. But uh, anyway, she, she's talking about how, you know, it's a nuclear blast. It's not a big deal. All you have to do is go inside, stay away from windows. It's basically the same uh, public service announcement they give when, when you've got a thunderstorm outside. Like, you know, and, and they're they're giving you the alert on TV and, you know, or radio or whatever. Like, stay indoors. Don't go near windows. Like, it's a nuclear blast. Like, it, it's there's a degree of separation there from a thunderstorm, you know. But but anyway, it it's uh, it, it's pretty dramatic. I mean, they, they you know, and CNN's obviously, uh, you know, they, they've seen better days as a news agency. Let's be honest. Um, they have certainly seen better days. So yeah, they their have ratings are trash. They are, man. I mean, CNN plus their subscription service got lasted what four hours. <laughs> yeah. We American partisan 
gets more views on a daily basis than CNN plus, you know, a, a website that had literally zero operating capital. When we started, we had no money. Okay. It, and, and we, we built a website from the ground up literally. And so everything that we have, everything we've been able to achieve is, is really because of, of word of mouth and a really good audience. But here you have CNN, one of the big news agencies in the world, and their subscription service can't even pull in 10,000 viewers a day. Uh, that, that's pretty pitiful. So they have to rely on, you know, these, these dramatic stories to do this kind of thing. And, um, you know, nuclear is, is definitely the big thing, but, but the profound statement that you made, uh, that I think is, is really critically important is all the other data that they're skimming, right? It's all the other data that they're skimming that is really more important because what are you going to do about nuclear launch? If it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. ICBMs, you, you're talking about 1950s technology, we didn't bring them up to date. You know, you got Russia, you got China that are that they have successfully tested hypersonic missiles. You've got Russia that's fielding them now. Um, you know, they've got the Iskanders, which are uh, currently stationed in Caracas, Venezuela. I'm just waiting on Russia. And this is a whole other topic of discussion. But I'm just waiting on the Russians to park them right outside of Havana and say, do something. You know, or a replay of the Cuban Missile Crisis, except we don't have the leverage that we did back then. We, we don't have it. And we certainly don't have a leader that's going to stand up to him the way that JFK did. You know, no. JF, JFK got a lot of criticism even back then. A lot of it was deserved um, for, for a lot of reasons. But even even then, he was still respected on, on the world stage. He was still a leader. He was still a guy who, you know... Everybody in the world recognized him as the leader of the free world. Biden, I mean, this this corrupt asshole who can't remember, uh, you know, where he is or, or what he's supposed to say most of the time. I mean, come on, man. This is not this. He, he's not going to lead us through another Cuban Missile Crisis. Ain't happening. But anyway, they're not so worried about the, the nuclear weapons, right? They have countermeasures that are going to uh, be very, very effective against the MIRVs, um, you know, the, the multiple reentry vehicles uh, that we have that, that's a nuclear payload delivery system. They have countermeasures. I mean, these people aren't stupid. You know, the Russians are not stupid. The Chinese are not stupid. So it's not that. It's all the other data that they're skimming that is so critically important. And so really the, the question I have, because the the – the way that you have presented this, how they they're skimming literally everything, timestamps on radio communications that, you know, that begs the question about patterns of life and everything else. What are their, it, well, it, and I know this would all be speculation on your part, but based on your experience as an intelligence professional and a specifically a signals intelligence collector, in, in that discipline, what do you think their targets of interest are going to be and how do we better prepare for them? They are probably focusing on our Intel transmissions. Um, they're probably, if they can, they're probably trying to 
tap into the fiber cables, um, which would be really, really difficult. But <clears throat> right now with just intercepting, you know, open air transmissions, I mean, they're getting uh, training schedules, troop movements, um, and yeah, just general pattern of life for specific units. And when you start contemplating uh, Chinese blue helmets coming in, uh, that's dangerous for one, just on, you know, face value. But on top of that, you know, they can leverage commanders with that. You know, they can send a unit target package to a commander and be like, hey, we already got you, so, like, just give up. And I'm sure commanders are going to do it if that day comes. And the other thing that deeply, deeply concerns me uh, is the fact that they can get away with this and nobody's done anything about it politically. Nobody's really raised the alarm until now because, as we know, the .gov is always late to the party. Um, yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was at the NSA, it was 2015, and they just rolled out NSA 21. And the whole purpose was to bring the NSA into the 21st century. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, you know, you guys are like 15 years late to the 21st century. You know that, right? Like, everybody else is here. Except you. And yeah. everybody thought I was joking. I was like, oh, this isn't a joke, dude. Like, we're, if, if this is real, we're in trouble. And it's real, though. It's real. It, that's the thing. It, it's, and nobody, you know, everybody kind of like laughed it off. And I was like, no, this is like a real problem. If we're just now in 2015 deciding that we need to get with the times and stand up Cybercom and, and do all these things we're we're in for a big uphill fight and it's a marathon it's it's not going to be a sprint you know we're not going to just throw money at it and solve the problem we're going to need to get college educated people but unfortunately we know how that goes these days so then you got a bunch of limperists running around uh teaching all the hardcore dudes and then the hardcore dudes get butthurt and bitter and leave yeah, and that's where we're at. But you know, go go yeah. back to the topic at hand. We, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just honestly, they're just soaking up everything, um, and I mean everything: military, government, local, state police, uh, fire, EMS, civilian. It doesn't matter. They're looking. They're getting everything from that tower because those towers broadcast. Uh, uh, I can't remember what they're rated for with, and I'm going off of 3G technology, but 3G, I think it was like 25 kilometers at like perfect conditions. Uh, a cell phone tower could reach out. Um, yeah. So you're talking, and that's like the donut, you know, that's like every direction that it's, uh, that it can go. And, and it's probably intercepting a lot of stuff. And, and that, you're saying I, they're, I, they're skimming everything, right? They're getting yeah. Out. I mean, anything well, that's breaking launch. Yeah, so they have successfully, well, mostly successfully, as last I know. But the, I'm also working off of you know what five year old 
information. A lot changes in five years with this kind of stuff. And they pretty much copied all of our technology, all of our tactical SIGINT equipment, all of our collections equipment. They pretty much just copied it. And yeah, I mean, we have the same technology. It just, you know, we can we can fine tune it and, and we can turn our little filters on and get certain, you know, go for certain uh, bands. You know, we can say, oh, I don't want this band. You know, I want the 1700 megahertz instead of just everything. Um, and they probably have the exact same thing. And I'm sure they probably just have that thing soaking up everything and they have enough server space. You know, they're, they're in big with a whole lot of big tech companies that have warehouses that are just servers. And I'm sure they're using them for their clandestine military operations and their Intel operations. At least that's the smart way to do it is to hide it in the private servers. And right. Yeah. They can just get anything they want. And if it's next to a military installation, you got to think how many communications are, are coming out of a military installation. Most commanders have a command cell phone and, and the whole command staff. So, so you're talking commander, command staff, which plans missions and, and troop movements and when they're going to go training, what they're going to do. Um, it, you know, and then once you collect that stuff and you have the IMEI from the cell phone, the individual mobile equipment identifier, you know, you get the MZ, the individual mobile subscriber identifier, which is your SIM card number, which is your account number. You know, they can get all that with this technology and or right. certain technologies, I should say. Um, they can get all that. And once they have that, man, they can, then they can go <laughs> and there's a lot more that they can do with that. You know, if they get into the Verizon or AT&T, whatever cell phone network they're using, then, you know, they're the Chinese NSA can, man, they can get whole conversations, text messages, emails, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. And it's just a, it's an endless rabbit hole. And that's how Intel works. You know, you start with one puzzle piece and then use that to get another. And then next thing you know, you have the puzzle or at least enough to determine what the hell it's supposed to be. Yeah. And yeah. And, and if, that's one of the big things when, uh, uh, this past weekend, when I was teaching the Intel collection and tradecraft course over in Tennessee, was one of the students that I had. And I, I had I had a I had an incredible crew in there. I mean, it you know I had a handful of returning students, but I had some uh, new students as well. And uh, it, it's always really good to see that. And one of the they had a lot of really brilliant questions on the first day especially uh, the, the first half of the day when I was teaching the intelligence collection cycle and the targeting cycle. And I'm like, you know, it all, it, it, it's called a cycle because it, it begins anew. It generates a new RFI or a request for information or for everybody else out there, not initiated into the world. It is a question. I want to know about X, you know, whatever X is. And then each piece that you find is, creating new RFIs. Okay. Now what about this? Now what about this? So, I mean, it's kind of, 
I mean, I hate to put it like this, but it's true. It, it, it's it's kind of really good for the ADD minded folks to or ADHD types to be like, oh, okay, yeah. now I'm going to do this and now I'm going to do this and I'm going to be jumping around in all these different directions. But that's kind of how it works, you know, and um, returning to the Chinese, because I know what we do overseas, as do you. And we need to start thinking about the United States being an area of interest for future Chinese operations. So like where we plan on going, right? And they're tasked with getting everything prepared for where we are headed, right? That's, that's the way that, that we work. And whether that is, uh, you know, military side or that's uh, civilian side, that's, you know, we, we have an area of operations, which is current. And then you have an area of interest where you will possibly be heading. And um, you also have an area of influence as well. But that, that's another topic uh, somewhere that you don't have direct control over, but you have influence on whatever it is that you're doing influences that that parallel area for whatever reason that's just a little bit of uh, uw knowledge there but um where i'm going with this is is who aside from governmental officials right that that's a given they just like it in the invasion of iraq the invasion of afghanistan uh, the invasion of iraq a lot of people will probably remember we had the play in cards where you know you had all the um, HVIs of the Bathist party and everything, right? And you had all of them all the way up to Saddam Hussein, right? For, for America, you know, that was a, a way that we had high value targets that were visible to everybody. And, and, and we knew it by facial recognition, right? That was one tool right. that we used. And, and that's what we do. Wherever it is that we go, you map out the hierarchy you figure out who's in charge. What you're really looking for, though, is the mid-level managers. Because if you can take them out, then you're going to be isolating whoever's at the top. And, and you can isolate them. That's one of the reasons uh, Bin Laden was in the playing field for as long as he was, because his mid-level management just kept getting popped and, and still does. Uh, you just don't really hear about it that much. But, you know, that, that is the way that the game is played. So... It's a foregone conclusion that governmental officials are already on the Chinese target list. I think that it was very interesting that um, Nancy Pelosi, they they literally, the, when I say they, the Chinese government literally made a statement that if she goes to Taiwan, there's going to be severe consequences specifically for her, right? They put out a threat specifically towards her, and I think that that is very interesting because you know, her being in, in California, her being where she is, a person of major influence out there, um, you know, Gavin Newsom being her nephew, they do a lot of business with China. So it's kind of a foregone conclusion that they're, they're very upfront about their threats. We can assume uh, very reasonably, right? We can reasonably deduce that she is one of their HVIs, but who else are they going to go after? Who else out there could consider themselves a target of the Chinese government for those future operations? Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned earlier, um, 
yeah, your your military commanders, your mayors. Um, and when I say military commanders, probably like uh, brigade level, maybe division. Um, but that seems a little high because the division usually talks to like the joint chiefs. And that's where you start getting into a whole lot of secure communications um, that are pretty difficult to get into. Um, yeah, like your your local governance, your state. Um, and those guys are so vulnerable because especially, I mean, you take Baltimore City in Maryland. That is just a cesspool of corruption. Everybody on the city council turns out to be corrupt. Our last five mayors... Well, I say our, I haven't lived there in some time. The last five mayors of Baltimore have come up with some sort of corruption. Some have been charged. Some have almost gone to court and then kind of not. And, you know, it, it lays this out in Unrestricted Warfare, um, written by, I can't remember their names, but the two Chinese colonels. It was published in 1999 and they're doing everything in that book is happening. They're demoralizing they're bribing they're blackmailing um and when i say demoralizing i mean like yuri bezmanov they're infiltrating the school the schools they're infiltrating certain portions of the government right they're doing all this um same as same as the world economic forum i know klaus schwab was saying you know they they quote unquote infiltrated cabinets Everybody does it. So it's like 15 different factions running every government. And then like one naive guy that doesn't actually know what's going on that they put in, that they quote, put in charge of everything, which is what we're seeing with the Biden administration. Anyway, those are the guys I'm worried about because the federal government is going to lose power. It's going to lose its respect. It's not going to have the same sphere of influence that it has now. And it, it's good. It's happening now. You can see it. It's just people are not respecting it. States are just not listening, doing their own thing. Um, so it's going to get to where even if we don't see an overt balkanization, there's going to be balkanization to some degree. Worse than what we have now. And the Chinese are already doing it. Like you said, Gavin Newsom. Um, what? Uh, pretty much the whole West Coast. All those mayors of all those cities, all those DAs, um, all those guys are corrupt. They all are cokeheads or, you know, they have hookers every night and, you know, they, they just, they're scumbags. And the Chinese know this. They're paying attention to this. They're, they're creating dossiers on all these people. And I'm sure we have the exact same thing. You know, we, I just saw an article about the, um, just Lane Maxwell and you know that Epstein it's thought that Epstein might have been a government op to get dirt on other world leaders and it was we knew about it some age one of our agencies knew about it they let it happen because they were getting blackmail on enemy government officials and everybody does that it's 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 global tradecraft we are not the pioneers of warfare and intelligence, um, intelligence tradecraft. We're not. In fact, no. the U.S. kind of sucks at it, to be honest. Um, we have the technology, and, and we have the bullets to back it up, 
but a lot of other countries do it a lot better than we do. And clearly the Chinese are really good at it because if you can just say on national or global news, Hey, Pelosi, you better not show up or it'll be a bad day for you. And then right. all of a sudden she gets COVID like, okay, so there, there was yeah. some validity to that threat. Like that was yeah. not just like a, that was not North Korea saying we're going to blow up the world. That was a direct, honest threat that was, they were going to follow through with it. She knew it. And yep. she knew that they, well, she might not have known what they had on her, but she is probably corrupt enough to where she knew they had something legit and she did not want it coming out. Oh, and yeah. when you have, when you see something like that, that is immediate. Okay. These dudes are not messing around. And if somebody like Pelosi takes him seriously, then we should probably take him seriously. Because I don't like her. I think she's a scumbag, but she knows how to play the game. She's Baltimore scum. Her whole family is. And they know yeah. how to play they know That's how to play right. the scumbag game. She she is, you know, I'd forgot about that. I'd forgot yep. about that. she is, man. Uh, yeah. And that, well, that yeah, is I mean, one raised, thing. You know, we raised she, some good ones. <laughs> but you also y'all y'all also made the wire so i mean that's true you know, we have it, another hbo show yeah. now about our corrupt gun task force oh yeah yeah yep great but getting back to pelosi i mean yeah and you know obviously i share those feelings i have absolutely zero love for her um whatsoever but one thing one thing that you have to admit is that just like you said, she does know how the game is played, or at least she did at one point in time. She did. You, you know, you don't have to like an adversary, but you damn sure do have to respect them uh, for her longevity to be where she is. She got something on somebody. Obviously she's got some pulls somewhere uh, for husbands out getting DUIs uh, nonstop. And can get him out of it, you know. All charges drop, no questions asked. I mean, she's got some pools somehow, somewhere. Oh, you know? I'm sure. I mean, you know, man, like, and that's just a politician's thing. I mean, that you know, it it it, it, it doesn't really matter left or right. That's kind of the way it goes. You know, they're doing doing favors, and they're gonna take care of themselves first. But with the Chinese. Um, this is such a monumental threat. It is good to see that finally, finally, somebody at, at least even this late in the game is warming up to the fact that, yeah, they're a real threat and their activities south of our border, uh, literally from the Rio Grande all the way down to the southern tip of Chile, right? The Chinese own that battle space and have been doing a lot over the past 20 years to prepare it. And, um, yep. you know, if, if you don't think, and I've pointed this out a lot over the years, and, you know, I've had a lot of people who, I mean, you know, I can't really fault them. They're looking for answers. They're trying to, to make sense of the world. And, you know, for the past however many years they've been beaten over the head about, you know, Islam is is the, the enemy that you need to worry about. And it is. OK, it is. It, militant Islam absolutely is a threat. Right. But but 
there's a lot of other issues, ancillary issues that are going on there. When you're talking about nation state, though, as the United States continues to become unraveled, just like you pointed out, you know, you've got states that are ignoring the Supreme Court right now. Right. And this isn't yep. a new thing either. I mean, the Heller decision. What year was the Heller decision? That was that 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 was a, about a decade ago. The Heller decision. It's just yeah. ignored. 2011, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, it, so that's 11 years ago. They just ignore it. Ah, we're, you know, whatever. We don't care. Right. We have a dual system of justice. All these things are, are absolutely up in our face right now. And so we have a balkanization that is beginning already. We have two very distinct cultures in the United States. I would argue that we have several more than that. But the, the political schism, if, if that's the only paradigm, the only lens you feel comfortable looking at it through, um, you know, and, and that's to the listeners, obviously. But, you know, we, we at least have the, the red-blue divide, right? That, that there is no reconciliation there. There is not going to be any, uh, you know, let's reach across the aisle, right? There's not going to be any of that. Because at the street level, people are not interacting with one another anymore. They're not going to do that. The left has politicized literally everything. There is no respite from it. You can't. It used to be, you know, in, in decades past, you know, you, you you watched pro ball to get away. You watched sports, professional sports, college sports, right, to get away from politics. But now they, they're not going to let you. They're not going to let you do that. So... All this stuff's getting rammed down people's throats. You got the Chinese waiting in the wings, right? This is all part of the, the artificial pressure that they're putting on the population because we know, you know, the, the Chinese are major stakeholders in the entertainment industry as well. You know, so they're they're absolutely willing to accomplish, uh, comply to this. I mean, and, and if you need any better example than this, look at LeBron James. How much money have the Chinese paid him? And he's more than happy to bow down to them nonstop. You know, the NBA yep. as a whole. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it, it's unavoidable at this point. So they're preparing the battle space for sure. And what's the answer going to be? I mean, it's problem, reaction, solution. You got to remember that Maoists, right, the Communist Party of China, the, the uh, 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 CCP, is Maoist. But where did Mao get his ideas from? Marx. Where did Marx get his ideas from? Hegel, right? Problem, reaction, solution. Hegelian dialectic. And so there it is. What's the solution? How do you fix a balkanized country that is nuclear armed? What do you do about that? What would the UN want to do about that? What would the World Economic Forum want to do about that? They're going to move in. This is all structured, right? This, this is, I'm not prepared to say that it's part of some larger plan. It is a plan absolutely on the part of the Chinese. I, I mean, that much we know. We, we've been talking about it, right? We've been talking about it a yep. lot. But to say it's it's like some grand scheme of all these different players that, that are involved in it, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that, to me, that's grasping at straws a little bit. Everybody's looking out for their own personal interest. I chalk things up to that. 
primarily. In the United States, the Politburo in, in D.C., they're most interested in maintaining their status quo. Right, K Street wants to, to maintain their standard of living. And something very serious is threatening that. Right. And it's getting ready to threaten it a lot worse. And I think that this move by the FBI of disclosing that, hey, wait a minute, China really is as big a threat as some of you guys have been pointing out for all these years. And maybe we need to start doing something about it. So what do you think in, in your professional assessment? Do you think it's too little too late or is there something that can be done? I don't think that it's, well, it's definitely too little. It's not too late. However, I'll caveat that with, um, we have made it exponentially harder on ourselves to fix the problem. Um, if we would have solved this in the early 2010s, uh, we'd be sitting pretty right now because that's when we started getting rumors and inklings of it. Uh, especially with the Huawei. Um, we've known about Huawei for, uh, you know, I was in Afghanistan in 2012. We've known about it since then, at least, probably before then, because soldiers yeah. were specifically told to not get... When I was there, we had... Um, I did not invade Iraq. I was not sleeping on a cot. I had an AC room. I was spoiled rotten on my deployment, right? Uh, so we had cell phones that we could get. As aviators, some of us got cell phones because some of us went to Jalalabad, some of us went down to Kandahar, but we were based out of Bagram. And they told us specifically not get Huawei because it was Chinese and they were tracking our movements. And if they found out that we specifically, when I say we, like my unit, if they found out we were who we are, yeah. that'd be not a good thing. Um, because they had plenty of change getting thrown around the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and eventually ISKP, which I ISIS in Afghanistan. Um, they had plenty of cash uh, flowing to those guys. Al-Khurasani, E-Pakistani. Yeah. Yep. And they were paying those guys to do all kinds of wacky stuff and set up their little stupid boxes, collection boxes. And they... It was just ridiculous. It was absolute mayhem. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, that was 10 years ago. And we're just now hearing about the FBI catching on to it in the United States. Like, and that's what makes me so mad, is that I know that there are smart people working in these agencies. And I, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence for them to not speak up in unison, or if it's that one college educated, never no real no real world experience guy that's the division chief and doesn't want to hear it because he's been brainwashed to think that China's the good guy and they would never do such a heinous act. Because I think that exists. Yeah. Oh, uh, that exists. I, I mean, I because <laughs> you. I've had a conversation a in academia. Oh yeah. I've had a conversation with an academic that worked at the agency and they literally said that China is not a threat to the United States. And I almost fell out of my chair. 
I, I was like, uh, you're kidding, right? That was a joke. Was that sarcasm? And I'm just like, too, I'm too much on the spectrum to get that one. Like, and he's like, yeah. no, like, what's China going to do? And I was like, sir, China spies on us all the time. And they, you know, they send us lead paint toys to poison our kids. Like, what do you mean they're not a threat? They do it on purpose. It's not an accident. You know, they send us waste, toxic waste to other, well, they don't send it to us, but they send it to other countries all the time. And yeah, I mean that, and our, some of those agencies are filled with people like that. And it's, I, I blame it on the surge. I blame it on the Iraq surge because it wasn't just the military. They got filled up with the hood rats and the idiots. It was the government agencies that were taking yeah, uh, lower That's IQ That's a good people. point, man. Now, I'm not yeah. a rain man, you know. My IQ is not that high. Um, it's about average. You know, I'm not a particularly smart person. But they were taking some really uh, not intelligent people and putting them into places where you need to be damn near Jordan Peterson smart, or at least that that kind of brainwave to where you're able to think very abstractly and they had a bunch of bucket heads rolling around pointing fingers. Well, they, they were recruiting very specifically. They were recruiting inside the box thinkers that were coming out with bachelor's degrees. Um, now, I, you know, I can't speak for every agency out there, but th- there's a couple that I can. Um, the FBI being one of them specifically, they were looking for people with finance degrees and pre-law. And, and when, when you recruit from that field and then you send them to Georgetown, you know, wherever the finishing school is, is going to be for them in their professional development after they spend, you know, one or two rotations at a field office, and then they're going to come back. They're going to do their finishing school. Georgetown is, is the big one for them. Um, you, you have people who are all, all they're doing is leaning on their CVs. You know, and, and you find that a lot, at least I found it a lot in uh, the federal agency side uh, of, of the people that I encountered that they all wanted to lean on their CV for everything. You know, like, oh, well, I'm a such and such or I, I went to, I, you know, I went to this university or, uh, you know, I went to Dartmouth or I went to Brown. Like, I don't give a shit. You know, it, it doesn't that doesn't matter. But it did matter that that meant to them in in their head. That was the only thing that mattered. And so that translated to like talking about the FBI and and, uh, uh, what I personally observed out of them, um, because I had a a couple of soldiers that got investigated. Um, They were doing some pretty bad stuff and they both ended up going to prison um, where they, they absolutely belonged for especially for what they were doing. But what I saw as far as um, their investigative skills, it just wasn't it wasn't there. And, uh, you know, the the special agent that was leading this investigation, of course, she was detailed out to the unit. And, you know, we we had orders. We're going to work with her. Everything was going to be full disclosure. You know, all right, fine. I'm not really too concerned about that. You know, I, I've talked to CID in the past, uh, Criminal Investigative Division. Never, you know, I had to talk to them a couple of times for some incidents. Things, I mean, whatever. You know, it, it's stuff. It, it's not a big deal. Um, but 
you know, and, and, and I know that they're not here to investigate me. They're looking for, uh, you know, evidence building a case against these two guys over here, which, you know, I wanted those guys to fry cause they were dirt bags. Um, you know, they, they, especially for what they were doing. But what I saw as far as standards of evidence and, and really just the, the intellect that was uh, just, just exuded, it, was, it didn't strike me as very professional. And so, I don't know, it, it, was, it left a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, I, I, and, and, and again, you know, I don't want to characterize all of them as, as being a particular way, but I, that was a very early and vibrant example to me of the pattern of thinking the inside the box thinking and you know you get very rigid set of orders that are coming from quantico and you do not deviate from them and and they don't encourage you know proactive thinking and the problem is here in america like you're a proactive thinker i'm a proactive thinker because we came from a background that required it you know we it it was an absolute requirement for survival in Afghanistan. You know, you have to be thinking about who is my next target of interest? What am I going to be doing next? What are the threats in my environment? Right. Size them up realistically. Now, how do we mitigate those? And how do you do that in real time? What practices do you, do you take to mitigate those threats in real time? And so, it, you know, your disappointment, at least the way that I'm reading you, is very much like mine. Like, holy hell, how did you guys not see this coming? How did you not see this shit coming? You know, you, you didn't see that China was going to become the threat that it is. And really, you know, as, as uh, later on when I got out of the Army, uh, went into academia, went back to school, and encountered a lot of these same people like you did, then all of a sudden it made sense. Holy hell, that's where these people have come from. And yep. this the, the train of thought that they've come from. They they truly believe that that you know, America is this big homogenous, you know, infallible, we're always going to win. You know, it, does, it, it doesn't we can kind of rest on our laurels. We're, we you know, it, it's a foregone conclusion. We like like we think about things like we're somehow the Harlem Globetrotters of, of the world. It, it's the way things are now, the way that they're always going to be. I got news for you. Yeah. We're going to get kicked in the balls big time. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh Johnny and I have been said this one time. Um we have this weird complex in this country now. Because, you know, we think that we're the biggest, baddest, and we're always going to be like that. Uh, and we're basing that off our latest merits of fighting the Sand People from Star Wars. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, we have <laughs> Apache helicopters and UAVs. And, you know what I mean? Like, what? It's not even a comparison, yeah. you know? And we yeah. were taking it easy on them. We had one hand tied behind our back. And they beat uh, us. You know? They beat they, us. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They did kind of beat they us. Beat they beat us. Yeah. We didn't you win. win. Some, we lose some. That's yeah. But we didn't um, win, man. But you know, to go back to what you you know, you said something about like how do these people think? Um, when I was an instructor, we would give them uh, templates for target packages and such. And it was just a PowerPoint and we already had it done up and it had a little blurb about like, you know, 
put this kind of information in this box and, you know, your map goes here and, you know, yada, yada. And it, it was so bad. So I'd let my students kind of like, I told them, I was like, Hey, here's a template. If you guys can make it better or make it prettier, make it more readable and understandable, do it. You know, that's just, if you, if you're not creative, take it, that's fine. We're not, you know, we're not judging you on your PowerPoint skills. We're judging you on your analytical skills that you've learned in this class. And so one of my students actually was already an analyst. They just happened to come to the class to go on a deployment and she had her shops template and she used that. And it was vastly different in a different order um, than ours. And one of the other instructors who was, um, oh, I can't think of the word. He'd been around a while and just stuck in his ways, man. And, and it wasn't the template. And I, it was like a weird little tick in his brain. And he like actually got visibly angry that they changed his template. He's like, why would you change the template? It was perfect. I was like, dude, it, it looks fine. Like, can you not read it? Like, is the font too small? And no, no, it was li literally just because the template was changed. And I know that's kind of a far off thing, but that's how people think it's so, it's become so cookie cutter of this is how we do it. This is what works. And this is the way we're going to do it no matter what. And, and then it turns into the never changing thing because no one wants to be the guy that fails, not knowing that for every success is a, a litany of failures. And that, that thought has gotten so foreign to us as a country and as a people. And that's what makes me so mad. And that's what gets me fired up is yeah. just, just think outside of the box for two seconds. You know, stop thinking that everything is hunky-dory and we're always going to win and we don't have any real problems. And your only problem is to figure out, you know, yeah, what, sports ball game you're going to watch you know and don't get me wrong i like sitting down with the old man and watching the orioles we still do it yeah man but it's yeah, not and, like and i don't should. revolve my day around that you know what i mean and some huh. people still do and it's like dude you can't there's a world outside and it's a dumpster fire and it it, it is rapidly becoming more of a continental u.s problem it's no longer over there it's coming here and now I see, and, you know, just to give you a glimpse into Madman's mind, I do, when I see articles like this Huawei uh, article, I, I see preparation of a battle space. Yeah. Because I've seen us do the exact same things that are happening now. We cause civil unrest. We build infrastructure. We buy land. We station troops on borders, South America. Um you know, they're doing, and in unrestricted warfare, they almost obsess over uh, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, as like the pinnacle of military success when the U.S. entered Kuwait and, um, right. and beat Iraq back. You know, that was like, holy shit, the, the Americans are like the greatest of warfare. They're mimicking it. They're, they're staging troops south of our borders, just like we did to Iraq. And, and they're doing the exact same things. They're doing the electronic warfare. They're prepping the battle space with intelligence. 
They have agents inside. They're paying people off. They've corrupted the government. They fomented civil unrest. We did all the same crap and, and we continue to do it. It's not like we changed our game plan. Um, you know, we keep just running up the middle, hoping it's going to work. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, run you know, if you get when all yeah, else it's just run it up run the gut. Yeah. yeah, it's like we, you know, at one point we had Jerome Bettis to do that and it worked great. And, and, but now we have, yeah. you know, a five foot six, 185 pound guy. And it's like, that doesn't work anymore. Nah. <laughs> you know, we need to, we need to start passing nah. the ball a little personal, bit. We need Tom Brady out there. Man. It, nah, it doesn't, that don't work. If you, if, if that's your size, man, that, that don't work. You know, no. personal... and, and it's, it's just, it's maddening to see the same thing happen over and over again. But like I said, the fact that there's so much literature on this um, and it's just spelled out in plain English, granted it's translated from Mandarin Chinese, uh, it it spells it out. And and it's not like they're really hiding anything. Um, It's only hidden to the naive and, and blissfully, willfully ignorant. And which I think a lot of politicians are, because I think that they... It's like my old man says, the moment a political, uh, someone gets elected to a political office, their entire life revolves around re-election. And that's it. Right. They're not loyal to yeah. any ideology. They're not loyal to any corporation. They're loyal to themselves being re-elected to keep their level of comfort. That's it. Yep. It's a basic human survival instinct. And that's just how it is. And, yeah, you know, I'm sure some of them are getting sold out. You know, some of them are being uh, paid, you know, we had uh, oh god, what's his name with Fang, Fang Fang you know, there, there's some Chinese, yeah, Swallow. there's some Chinese yeah. Fang Fang yeah, is Swallow. dead, by the way Fang Fang is Ooh. dead, she died in a plane crash yep, that's convenient R.I.P. Yeah. that is sad I, was, I don't was, like when people die but she, she died in a plane crash in China and she was the first person identified is dying oh. in that crash. That's incredibly convenient. Almost it like is. a plot. Oh, almost. 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 I don't know. So, it's just speculation. You know, I think that the, the question is going to be on everybody's mind, and it, it's you know shifting gears only slightly because I've, I've been asked this question many times, um, you know, and, and I have my answer for it. And I know that, that you probably will too. The last time that we talked, we talked about, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with a bow thing uh, remotely, by the way, uh, that we both of us kind of had an inside chuckle about that. But I get this yeah. question fairly often. And I know that somebody after listening to this interview, that somebody is, is going to ask this question. Bow thing UV five R's. Because I'm a big fan of them. I know you're a big fan of them. They're pretty much ubiquitous in the preparedness community. I love it because it's an open source platform. It, it's a almost a blank canvas. There's so much that you can do with them. Um, and, and really, when, when you're talking about building community networking and infrastructure, dirt cheap, and kind of having a, a baseline uh, platform to where you can do anything. I mean, with, with a UV five R you can create digital communications. Um, you know, and of course I cover all that in RTO advanced RTO course, uh, specifically an advanced RTO course, but 
you know, what are, to your knowledge, the points of exploitation that the Chinese could use with the Baofeng UV5R? Because I have had people ask me in the past, is there like some magic kill switch to where they can cut them all off remotely? Is there something buried in the firmware? Like, you know, and, and I give my answer as, you know, uh, for a $25 piece of equipment, I really don't think so. Um, you know, I now granted, I'm not a, a software guy, so I haven't dug into the firmware, but I would think for a $25 piece of equipment, eh, you know, that, that's international in scope. I wouldn't think so, me personally. And from what I've seen, such a thing doesn't exist because there's so many other points of exploitation that you can use with them. So in your experience as a, a guy that's done this professionally, you know, both Army and National Security Agency, what's your assessment? I do. Now, the possibility is certainly there for them to put something in the firmware, uh, maybe even put something on the motherboard. Um, I cracked one open. It didn't look very suspicious. Then again, I'm not a microprocessor guy. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, it's $25 radio for one, two, it's being marketed to civilians. Um, they probably know that a lot of preppers get it, but they're not worried about us. The Chinese are not worried about the preppers. They're worried about the U S military that has javelins and tomahawks. They're not worried about a guy with a Baofeng and an AR-15. Um, not yet, at least. So... What I my my official answer is that um, you should treat the Baofeng UV5R no differently than you treat any other device that uses electronic communication. It's all susceptible. It's all vulnerable to electronic warfare. Um, it, you know, you can encrypt it. Someone can decrypt it. Uh, so. You know, Scout, I know you teach this in the class. Keep it short, keep it simple, and keep it somewhat coded. Um, you know, digital encryption is cool, and it's it's neat. However, there is no replacement for a Playfair Square, a one-time use, you know, a one-time use paper code that you made, and then you never use it again. So, and if you keep that transmission short enough... Um, and if you're that worried about it, take your battery out and then, you know, put your battery in, turn your radio on, transmit at given times, you know, pre-coordinate this stuff if you are concerned about that, um, which is probably pretty good tradecraft in the first place. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see to find out. That's, that's kind of a hard thing to say yay or nay on. Um I think they have yeah. bigger fish to fry because they are resource poor. So they are probably, um, they're probably putting most, if not all of their effort into geopolitical and military targets. Not so much, uh, right. Us. Cause while well, we can be dangerous to the Chinese 
they they never really mention the U.S. populace so much as being a threat. They they're pretty confident that they can quell any uprisings. Yes, from the populace. That and and that is that was what I was going to add was that they it's a foregone conclusion among communists, and this was long a a Soviet talking point as well that the strength of the United States military was reflective of the strength of the nation. And that when U.S. military was atrophied and, and had uh, periods of uh, regression or retraction, you know, mid-1970s, that, that five-year period uh, in, into 1980, of course, the election of Ronald Reagan, Reagan came in and immediately bolstered the military, you know, was creating a huge budget. Um, and, and, you know, the military has always been reflective of the strength of the nation and the communist talking point has been, you know, Hey, we have to subvert the U S military, however possible. And so that right there is an inherent flaw in the Chinese communist thinking because they're, they're literally casting aside an entire guerrilla underground, which is what you and I and, and, you know, everybody at American partisan, a lot of other great guys out there. It's, it's really what we're trying to do is prepare the battle space, prepare the future battle space on our terms, because we're preparing for that level of conflict when that comes based on what we know and how to better prepare and better train folks and better organize people when that day arises. Because I feel like it is. But the other thing, um, you know, all the warning signs are there. Obviously, you do too because you're here. But the other thing that I want to add regarding the the, uh, Baofeng radios in their many incarnations is that because of their widespread use in Ukraine on both sides of, of the conflict there, if knowing what we know about the intelligence sharing that's going on between the Chinese and the Russians. If there was some magic back door, why wouldn't they exploit it? You know, like that, that's, that's my question is if there was a back door, if they had a magic key to get into all everything, you know, and uh, you know, mortars are going to fall on your head as soon as you key up the radio or whatever other fantasy land stuff that, that people talk about on the internet, you know, that, that have obviously never done this for real. Um, I think one of the most humorous comments that I ever saw on the, the internet regarding a bow thing uh, came from uh, 4chan of all places where a guy was literally on there saying, Oh, you don't want to buy a bow thing. That's like uh, lighting a torch on top of your head in the middle of a dark room. And I'm like, this is, a, this is the most fucking stupid comment. I think I've ever read on the internet because anything that emits a signal is doing exactly that. Like this so, is the most. This is why they, for all you people listening to this that that get on 4chan, especially over on K, the the K sub forum, right? The the command of the weapons stuff because that's where I saw it. You guys need a fucking reality check. Like some of you, they, there's a couple dudes that they get on there. I could tell they know what they're talking about. But some of the rest of you motherfuckers, no, sorry. Anyway, yeah. So throw that out there. The the problem with the whole like if you key it up, you're gonna get a mortar or bomb, whatever. 
um, they would have to do the exact same thing we do. And unless they put a GPS device in a radio, which would make it way more than $25, um, the, the best I've ever gotten out of a UV5R with a pretty decent antenna was like 2.8 miles in my area, which is pretty wood, wooded, hilly. You know, there's streams in there, there's maybe a little river. Um, and it's an omnidirectional antenna, which means it goes, it radiates equally in all directions. So if it goes 2.8 miles out, that means it only goes 2.8 miles up. And I don't know where the mathematicians are at. I know I'm not one, but I'm pretty sure the lowest satellite in orbit is not 2.7. I think it's, I think it's a little bit more than that, maybe. Probably. Um, you I know. wouldn't know, but that that sounds. No, right. I mean it definitely is. Like, <laughs> I don't know yeah. the number, but I mean, uh, you're you're talking. You know, we we flew at fifteen thousand feet, so yeah, that's that's a few miles, and <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't need a fucking spacesuit to fly there. So, yeah, they'd have to do the same thing that we do, and that technology does not really exist for push to talk radios um that is that is technology that is in satellite phones that cost uh, a hundred times more than your uv5r Ooh, to give you you know when you key up when you key up a mic it does not ping a gps point that is yeah that's sat phone shit um mm. and that's Ooh not in a uv5r for 25 bucks so um, that begs another question then so all all these guys that are out there and this is going to get me in some hot water i don't give a shit um but but i've talked about this a lot in in the past there's, there's a lot of guys out there that are advertising sat phones uh, alternative media guys whatever that are advertising sat phones yay or nay they cannot, as far as I know, again, five-year-old information, a lot of stuff changes, but for the longest time, for over five years when I was in, and even before, you could not get the conversation, you could find them, right? It's just like DMR. It's really difficult to hear it, but you can still find it because it's still an electronic transmission coming from a device. Um, and again, the way satellite phones work, it doesn't give you, uh, like with cell phones, it's like you have to measure the time it takes the signal and the power strength from the phone to determine how far away it is. Right now, phones have GPSs, but like the 2G days before GPS was in a phone, that's how it worked. That, that's how you gauge distance from a cell phone to a tower and there was some spooky ways to, to figure it out where it was at. A satellite phone gives you a damn, the magical 10 digit MGRS grid or a lat long of like within a hundred meters of where you are at least probably 10. 
depending on uh, mm. how great the signal is. So sat phones, um, probably not a great idea. Unless you don't care about them finding your location, you're more worried about secure communications. Like, uh, but even then, somebody it's not somewhere. Secure can... if you're giving up where you are, man. That's you the know? thing. Well, yeah. secure, secure uh, messaging. You know, if you want your conversation to be in full incognito, yeah, sure. But uh, even then, you can't guarantee that nobody has the technology to crack that encryption and hear what you're saying. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it, it goes back to the, what's, what's old is new again. And we've come to the pinnacle of encryption and decryption that we're going to have to start using a pencil and paper again and using these old encryption skills one time because that's the only way you can guarantee that it'll never be cracked and used against you because even if they crack it, you're never going to use it again. So it doesn't matter. Um, because yeah, the, the technology just, the hackers are advancing faster than the technology itself. They, they know how to exploit the technology as it comes out. Um, when I say technology, I mean the encryption keys and, you know, they came out with 128 bit and then immediately that started getting uh, hacked and it's just, it's a never ending process. So for a partisan, for a prepper group, um, keep your conversations short and sweet because unlike in the movies where it's the cell phones that they're like, Oh, keep them on the phone for five more seconds. We almost got them. Um, <laughs> like that kind of yeah. is the case. Um, that's really the case with push to talk. Uh, cell phones, you can, there's some other ways that you don't need them on the phone per se. You don't need them in a phone call. Push to talk is only transmitting when you key the mic, when you are transmitting. So, yeah, you, you need a long-winded, you know, you need preferably a guy reading like the Spanish Inquisition would be perfect. Um, that's actually how we did training for low-level voice intercept. The guy would go up there and read like, not the Spanish Inquisition per se, but like his, his college essay or whatever. And he'd just be sitting up there with the mic key just for, you know, the first round of practice to like, hey, here's what it looks like, at, you know, when we're getting used to the equipment. Then, you know, obviously they make it a little bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, the longer they're on there talking, which is why you should use breaks, you know, you say whatever code, whatever code, whatever code break, give it a second, go back, whatever code, you know, um, and honestly, as dumb as it sounds, try to like change the direction you're actually pointing your antenna, unless you have a really cruddy signal with the guy and you need the, uh, directional antenna, which it's probably the preferred method anyway. Use directional antennas with low power. The lowest power you can possibly get away with. Um, but yeah, that's that's all you can do is use your, your old school paper and pen encryption keys uh, that you do with a, a couple squares. Playfair squares are great. Um, there's a bunch of them. There, you know, there's dozens that you can use. And you can even use 
128-bit key with a piece of paper. Um, it's oh, yeah. a really giant pain in the butt, and it takes forever. But, I mean, you can do that one time, yeah. and it's going to work because it's, it's going to be a unique key. You might, have, you might use somebody else's key that you didn't know about, um, which might screw you, but I, the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. Um, so yeah, yeah, don't, some people are really overly paranoid about it, which, you know, isn't always a bad thing, but sometimes it, it's like, it's okay to be paranoid about things like that. But then when I see people that say, oh yeah, the UV5R will get you killed. So let's use sat phones. It's like, dude, that, <laughs> that is going to get you killed. Like, yes, that will, that's going to get you killed way faster. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, as I can't remember the Senator, but right after nine 11, he got on national television was like, yeah, we're tracking a, uh, bin Laden sat phone. It's like, yeah, not anymore. He threw that thing in the frigging river, <laughs> like, like, yeah, um, which is exactly it, it, what happened. Well, you know, there, there's such a thing as, as educated practices, which is what you and I, uh, K over combat studies group. I'm going to have him on this week as well. Um, you know, some of the guys that are out there, you know, Sam Culper, uh, Mike Shelby over at uh, Ford observer. Uh, some of the guys that are teaching intelligence tradecraft through various means, uh, you know, whether that's, that's writings online, it's podcasts or, you know, you know, physical classes uh, like I run, it, you know, we're, we're, we're telling you these things because this is educated tradecraft practice, right? You're suspicious of everything in a working environment because you're educated to recognize signs, right? And you understand what the realistic threats are in your working environment. Another is to be batshit paranoid about things that, that are really not a threat or just, you know, overblown, overhyped, um, yep. And, and the whole, the whole thing about, you know, old baffing UV five R and, and I'm, I bring this up because I know I get one of these emails at least once a week and I always get somebody that brings this class, uh, this question up in class, right. Um, where, where they're saying, you know, what's the possibility that the Chinese have a chip in here now at face value, that's, that's a realistic concern, you know, but people take such things to an extreme when they don't really have any facts that are backing it up. Meanwhile, the alternative that they present is way worse. And then they say, Oh, you know, but so-and-so talked about this on his radio show or whatever. And it's like, yeah, because he was paid to, Oh, but why would he lie to me? Because he was paid to, you know, (laughs) what are you you not understanding here? Yeah. Somebody paid his, yeah. Somebody paid his mortgage for the month for him to say that. Right. Like, like point, point to his level of experience. Oh, well, you, you can't do that. Well, I'm telling you from my experience and you're telling them from your experience, Hey man, you know, like maybe you ought to listen to what we're saying because we did this for real. You know, this, yep. this is, this is a realistic threat mitigation versus, uh, you know, hyperbole. It's designed to yeah. sell you stuff because that's what advertising is there to do. Right. Um, but Hey brother, with that said, man, an hour and a half, an hour and a half. 
an <laughs> hour it. and a half is like feels like we just got started, man. It does. It does. It does. But Signals Intelligence course coming up in August. You're gonna be there, right? I'm gonna be there the Saturday and Sunday. That's Signet. You're gonna be there. I am gonna, gonna be there. Be there. I'm not gonna get sick this time. I promise. <laughs> we'll start popping zinc pills and vitamin C right now. Oh, oh! <laughs> the day of, you're gonna text me and be like, "Man, I can't make it." Yeah. I got, I got COVID, I got COVID I got again. The black lung pop. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to be around anybody. <laughs> I've got cigars. I've got fine scotch. I've got fine bourbon. Got fine rum. I've got a full bar. So it and and that's to everybody. Say out there. no more, you, folks. I'm telling you, you come to class here in North Carolina. I got a full bar. I'm gonna take care of you. You come to class with me. Hey, you know we work hard. We play hard after hours. We're gonna have a really good time. I'm. I know me personally. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm teaching a fighting carbine course right before it. And um, really, really looking forward to that class because I always love teaching that. And then going right into RTO, advanced RTO, and signals intelligence. You want to talk about just a good time, just an all-around good time. And uh, both classes are, are going to be packed, full of people. I got a few spots left in the RTO course, though. So, So if you want in on that, here in North Carolina, if you're in the Southeast, please do not hesitate. That is going to be the last time that I teach it here this year. I've got one more on the schedule, possibly out West, possibly. Can't make any guarantees. Uh, of course, I do have the scout course out West as well out in Wyoming, and that is a hell of a good time out there as well. Going to be right there on the Wind River. And absolutely beautiful. Definitely hit me up. It is kind of a short fuse class, but the hosts got with me, uh, Tactical Training International, my training partners out in Wyoming. They got with me. They had some room in the schedule. Definitely get in on that class. All right, definitely get in on that. That is going to be the last time that I am out west in 2022 okay so do not delay on getting your training calendar squared away okay do not delay on that you know look times are getting a little rough for everybody belts having to get a little tight budgets having to get a little tight the one of the best investments that you can make right now is in your own training all right there is no replacement for skill you can have all the gear in the world. There's no replacement for skill. But anyway, with that said, brother, Madman Actual, I am really looking forward to having you down here, man. We're going to have a damn good time. I'm excited. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Well, hey, God bless. God bless all of you out there. Thank you for being here with us, running a little bit longer than normal, but hey, I love doing these episodes like this. Thank you all for being here with us. This is NC Scout out.